Some of you spoke as we went around about the different aspects of your life and referring to how things have been over the last while, for example, or referring to changes in circumstances of your life. And that's the way we speak about our life, right? Of course it is. We speak about the various thises and thats, the various uh, duties and details, the various relationships and circumstances. We speak about our working life and our social life and our love life and our family life, etc. Maybe we speak about our inner life, our spiritual life, our emotional life, our psychological life, etc. And, so, and in making those distinctions, this can be a very helpful way of drawing out some of the nuance of what we're experiencing. And yet at the same time, of course, the, what can happen is we actually believe that stuff. We believe that we've got all these different lives and we end up with a lot of uh, kind of fractured, a fractured sense of our life. And we might describe this whole practice, Dharma practice, meditation practice, inquiry practice, you know, this, this whole transformational practice of looking at heart, mind, world, looking at experience. We might describe that whole realm as one of uh, dissolving the separations that we make in life. The most fundamental separation is the one between what we call self, me, and all that goes with that, how I feel, what I want, who I take myself to be, and what we call everything else, basically. Um, The world, the world of things, the world of people. And I'm reminded of that as I'm speaking about this, the way the Buddha spoke about this practice as being one most fundamentally a practice of what he called not clinging often translated as practice of letting go and you may have come across this uh, spoken about as a practice of letting go and yet it's slightly different in the translation right? because sometimes letting go can have just a whiff a little bit of some sort of as if the thing should disappear Oh, I've got to, you've just got to let go of that, people say unhelpfully to each other. Why don't you just let it go? Right? Which Nothing is guaranteed to make someone want to hold on more tightly than saying to them, hey, just let it go. And yet, So describing this practice as one of not, non-clinging, which of course means also learning to recognise what clinging is, where I'm clinging, and why I'm so fixated. Why do I hold on? Even though holding on 
holding on to my fixed view of myself, holding on to my fixed view of the world, holding on to my fixed ideas about what I want and what I need, holding on to my fixed views about uh, how I am and how I could be and how I should be and how others could be and how others should be, etc. Holding on to those things causes that fractured sense. Holding on to those things causes us a lot of tension. Holding on to those things causes us a kind of friction with life, a friction with the way things are. So this rather lovely vision of abiding in a way that doesn't cling, doesn't cling to self and world, doesn't cling to divisions and difference. That lovely vision of things has to pass nevertheless by seeing where we are clinging, where we are hanging on, where we are uh, tense around what we want, what we think, and who we take ourselves and others to be. Human experience, which is the kind of we might say, the irreducible ground of our practice. What we have most fundamentally, or actually we could say the only thing we really have is our experience. Anything may arise and pass in our experience, and yet experience is the ground. Experience may be this way or that way. We might like it or not like it. Sometimes one might be very confused or very hurt or very lost. And we clutch at things to try to, um, um, to hold on to, some kind of refuge, some kind of security. We might find out over these days some of our own habit patterns about the places we go to try and establish some, um, some feeling of okayness. But the, what I'm calling the irreducible ground of our practice, our true refuge maybe, is experience itself. Not this experience or that experience, but the very fact of experience. Always here as a refuge, right now. Right now. Mm. Regardless of what you're thinking, regardless of what you're feeling, regardless of whether you're glad to be here or afraid of being here, as we were hearing earlier. Just to see if you can notice right now, oh, there's experience. The fact of experience, and as that opens up, the nature of experience, is a certain ground for us. And if it's not very clear what I mean by that, that's okay. It'll hopefully be start to become clear in different ways over the next days. Experience when we look closely, and that's the very essence of what we're doing these days, coming back to experience, coming back to experience, looking closely at experience. 
When we look very closely, when we really sense into our experience, we find that experience is unified, a unified field. We can make all kinds of distinctions within it. For example, the distinction of self and the distinction of world. But experience itself doesn't... The the distinction isn't inherent to the experience. Experience has no edge. Can you feel the edge of your experience right now? That's rather counterintuitive because we make up edges. But actually we might find when we really get close, we can't feel an edge. We can't hear the edge of hearing. We can't see the edge of seeing. We can't feel the edge of sensation. And similarly, experience has no centre. The more we go inside what's happening, the more we find. Edgeless, centreless experience. All-inclusive experience. Experience that is as inclusive of what we call self as it is inclusive of what we call world. So on the one hand, we have this kind of this what we this this irreducible ground, we'll say, of our experience. All inclusive. Anything can come into it at any moment. Any sound or any sensation or any sight, any thought, any memory, any imagination, any feeling. The the experience has this kind of vast, open field of possibility. And on the other hand, we have all the distinctions that we make, all the habit energy of dividing that up into this's and that's, here's and there's, me's and you's, rights and wrongs, etc. And as I was saying just now, the most fundamental uh, division that we have, and we may not think about this, we probably don't think about this very much consciously, but if we look closely, we're acting out of this fundamentally, fundamental division all the time, this sense of self, the thing that's over here, and world, the thing that's over there. So, if our life is to be our teacher, we're invited to look as closely as we can at this field of experience. And we're encouraged, and we'll, we'll be encouraging you in different ways over the days, to see if we can soften our clinging to, if we can let go around the sense of self and the sense of world. And it might be a mysterious kind of a contemplation. And yet I offer it to you as the direction of our practice. How might we meet our experience directly, intimately, awakely? Is that a word? Without 
clinging to a sense of self and a sense of world. That's the essence of meditation in many ways. A way of training our attention to come back to a kind of intimacy and directness with experience as it is. Aside from our ideas of experience, our views of experience, our wishes for experience. Letting go of the one who we say is experiencing self. Letting go of what we think it is that we're experiencing, called the world. And seeing what might experience have to show me What might experience reveal when I'm not busy dividing it up into the experiencer and the experienced? We'll probably speak quite a lot these days about Awareness. If experience is the irreducible ground of being alive, then the very heart of experience is awareness. This mysterious capacity that we have to know what's happening. And again, you might just check in with yourself right now, whatever it is that's happening. Bright and interested in what I'm saying, or confused or tired from the travel, or wondering how long it's going to be before you can stretch your legs. Whatever it is that you're experiencing, there's the knowing of it. That knowing is so fundamental, so obvious, so ordinary, in fact, that we tend to constantly overlook it. We overlook the knowing, and then we tend to fuss with what it is that's being known. To, to, To get very involved in the thought. The thought about how long until I can cross my legs, or the concern with the fact that I'm tired, or the or whatever. So, awareness is the kind of innermost heart of experience. And rather than speak in these sort of clumsy terms, even though they're the terms that we tend to... uh, act in accordance with in our lives self and world we will speak more probably in terms of awareness and its objects awareness and the objects of awareness the knowing and what's being known sometimes what's being known pulls very strongly on our attention and our practice is a way of being skillful with those pulls 
Sometimes, as we attend, the, the various things, the way sensations pull on our attention, the way thoughts or fantasies or, or worries or emotions or reactions pull on our attention, sometimes, and our practice will really support that, those things start to quieten down and settle. And when objects aren't making so much noise, then awareness itself, this mysterious knowing, might stand out more. We don't need to go looking for some special thing called awareness, because, hey, it's right here. It's how you know you're hearing my voice. It's how you know you're sitting in the chair or on the ground. And we certainly don't need to go looking for some special objects of awareness, some special experience, some spiritual experience, some experience uh, that seems to conform with some ideas we have about meditation. Some experience that's similar to some great thing that happened to us on a previous retreat. Some special experience that we've been told about or read about. Some weird idea of experience we have called enlightenment or something. The rather marvellous thing about our practice is that if we're to let our life be our teacher... If we're to attend to awareness and its objects, then this awareness is the one we're interested in, the one that's here, that's awake, that's knowing right now. And these objects, this experience, is the one we're interested in. This tiredness, or this discomfort, or this aliveness, or this interest, or this boredom, this knowing and this experience. And that's really the thread of our days, attending to this knowing right now and attending to this experience right now. And the more diligently and the more sincerely and the more kindly and more gently you can attend to this knowing, and to this experience, moment by moment, the more your life will be your teacher, the more your experience will open up, the more the nature and mystery and freedom of this knowing will reveal itself. So that's where we're going. From here, to here, to here. And we call that Saturday night and then Sunday morning and then Monday morning. But that's just for the sake of speaking in the language of self and world and time and space. Very helpful. We'd be in a bit of a mess without it. But don't believe it. Just this. This knowing. This experience. And a couple of guides over the days that are really
helpful, particularly in this rather open form that we'll be exploring. And I'll speak more about the form uh, tomorrow. First guide, the particular extra importance of the silence. And those of you who have been on get retreat here before you know, Guy House generally is held in silence, retreats are silent, etc. But it's extra important with a form like this because the container of the retreat isn't being held so much by the kind of regularity of the bells on now we're all going to sit, now we're all going to walk, etc. There'll be some fluidity with the form. So in order that the container of our retreat is really supportive, I want to extra, extra ask you to be impeccable with the silence. To really give each other the great gift of leaving each other alone. And if, uh, if you know, for some of you the silence will feel, or at, at, for all of you I'm sure, there'll be moments where the silence feels oh, like a warm bath at the end of a cold day. Like a great relief. Like something you can really rest into. Like slippers. <laughs> I always appreciate my slippers when I come to Gaia House. And yet there may be moments where the, the, the silence feels in some way awkward or oppressive or, or something. And if that's the case, there, you know, the opportunity that's there, opportunity to come and meet with uh, Vipka or me, and please to use that opportunity rather than uh, well, inflicting yourself on someone else. So that as well as protecting your own uh, opportunity to really just be close, as somebody was saying, to your own experience, and close to awareness, you're also really protecting the, each other's opportunity for that. And the other request I would have, the other guide, is in some ways a very simple one, although it may sound a little daunting, and that is, please practice every single moment. It's also a feature of having this more open form. It's actually a form that's designed, as somebody was uh, saying or hoping, to... to um, dissolve somewhat the sense of difference between formal and informal practice, between uh, this form that we call retreat and then this form that we rather bizarrely call normal life, or real life sometimes. As soon as somebody comes to me on a retreat and says, well, in my real life, I know there's an integration problem going on, <laughs> as if real life belongs to some realm you know, of um, speaking or of family or of work or something. And that once that's left behind, this, this can't be real life. So, again, I'll, I'll speak about and describe in more detail. What, what do I mean by that? Practicing in every moment. But most essentially, in the way we've been speaking about this evening, I mean, the coming back, each moment that we remember, 
and coming back with a kind of intention to sustain and to deepen. This sense of the natural knowing that's here, that we call awareness. To come back to and to sense into and deepen our sense of whatever the experience is right now. That sense of what uh, I earlier referred to as listening closely to life. And of course, you'll forget a thousand times a day. No, you'll forget, or we just get compelled by the objects of awareness, compelled by that which we call the world, compelled by what we're seeing or hearing into some kind of Um, fantasy thought stream or some kind of anxious thought stream or some kind of lost in nostalgia thought stream that's okay it's it's inevitable right the nature of mind is that it moves the nature of awareness is that it produces objects to be aware of and yet the beauty of our practice the fact that awareness is so immediate means that it keeps on, whether we like it or not, in fact, it keeps on waking us up to the the fact that our attention's been compelled. You will keep on noticing that mind has gone here, mind has gone there. And that's a rather wonderful thing. Because it means that however far mind has gone, and wherever mind has gone, and whatever fantasy or nostalgia or whatever mind has gone to, life's woken you up to it. The immediacy of things has re-established itself. Those are precious moments. Moments where we can really um, support that sense of continuity. Oh, here. Oh, it doesn't matter that I was thinking about uh, last retreat for the last 20 minutes. The fact that I noticed I was thinking about last retreat, oh, shows me I'm here. Here, with this knowing. Here, with this experience. And the more sincere you can be with that sense of continuity of practice, the more things will open up. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.